Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. With Danny Ruye, I'm Grant Paulson. This here is The Fan. Beltway Blitz coming your way in just a moment, covering the Wizards. Made a trade yesterday. Capitals back in action. Big game against a recent champion tonight. And the Commanders going to be covered this segment as well as they continue to interview offensive coordinating candidates. But because it's four, let's pay off what we told you we would do right here at the top of the hour. Caller number 10, congratulations. You are winning a four-pack of tickets to the D.C. Auto Show. Dial now, 800 636 1067. The auto show is at the DC Convention Center. It's going through January 29th. You can buy your tickets now at WashingtonAutoshow.com to go see the newest show features, best the industry has to offer, latest models, electric vehicle exhibit, indoor outdoor ride and drives, and so much more. Auto show's pretty cool. You're getting a four pack of tickets right now on Grant and Danny. Another chance to win tomorrow at four o'clock. Let's begin our Beltway Blitz. We've been talking a lot about the Wiz over the last couple of days, and we wanted to get some insight from someone in the know. So we're joined now by Dave Johnson, voice of the Wizards. Dave, Rui Hachimura traded for three second-round picks, a couple of them down the road, and Kendrick Nunn. What would you make of the deal? Well, what the make of the deal is, uh, it's a situation where they had to make a decision about Rui uh, at, at some point. He was not given an extension. It would have come up. Uh, this summer, but the but the bottom line is that that Rui wanted, I think, more of a role uh, with the Wizards. But unfortunately, uh, they don't have that right now. Uh, they don't, uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma has that role, for example, or, or there's there's people ahead of him. So uh, he was not going to get that that role with the with the Wizards. Uh, so I think it's it's a situation where he moves on to a, a, another uh, venue, and and maybe that will be the right fit for him and. Uh, you know, this was not about trying to get Kendrick Nunn, uh, but, uh, you know, Kendrick Nunn is a player that can provide some offense off the bench, help the Miami Heat in their title run, or I should say NBA Finals run in 2020. So the Wizards, you know, still are concerned about making the playoffs, which there's reason for concern. Uh, so they need somebody to come in and help uh, with that equation. So uh, it, it's it's unfortunate it didn't work out for Rui Hachimura in, in D.C., but, um Uh, He moves on, and now the Wizards have to move on. Yeah, Dave, I I certainly appreciate and understand what you're saying, and it all makes a lot of sense. I I guess my follow-up question would be, if they're concerned with making the playoffs, that scoring off the bench, you had that. His name was Rui Hachimura. This, to me, is a a bigger-picture thing. Just because you couldn't sign him to an extension, maybe then you let him play out his time here, right? But this seems to me to, to be looking forward to maybe future picks or future flexibility. It can't just be about this year, right? No, it's not about this year. Maybe, uh, you know, I apologize for maybe phrasing it uh, improperly, but no, it's not just about this year. Again, part of this trade, they did not take on any financial commitment going forward. I, I think that this this team is, is committed to the core they have in Christoph Sporzingis, Bradley Beal, and, and Kyle Kuzma, but I, but I think they did have a player in Rui Hachimura 
to deal with what is going on in the present uh, who wanted a different role here. Um, so, yes, uh, you know, on paper and statistically, uh, it, w- it would seem to make sense. Well, you know, ride out the storm with Rui and, and make the playoffs. But as we all know, in, in sports or broadcasting or whatever job we're talking about, it's not just what happens on paper. There's also uh, emotions involved. So, uh, it, but it, it, but you're right. It, it's not just about the here and now. It's also as they as they make these moves. And really, <laughs> when you make any move in the NBA anymore, you have to also be thinking about, you know, what does this mean for the summer or, or next year? Tonight at the Mavericks, 8.30 tip. I'd imagine Nunn's going to make his debut. Uh, you tell me if I'm wrong about that. But what do we need to know about the game? Well, you know, actually, I'm not sure if we've gotten a, you know, he's here. And I don't know if he's going to make his debut because it, that's up to, to paperwork and, and NBA stuff. You know, what we need to know is is that, that, that this is a Wizards team that's not going to have Christoph Sporzinga, so that, that's a huge blow. But <laughs> this is a Wizards team that, that you know, has Bradley Beal back, and, and we've seen what a difference that makes with him back in the lineup uh, and healthy. It is a Wizards team that showed in November that it knew how to defend and, and work well against the Dallas Mavericks, and it's going to have to do a, a, a repeat performance tonight to complete the, the season sweep. And also – you, you, I, I look at the Dallas Mavericks record of 25 and 23, and they're they're also dealing with some injuries as well. Uh, but it just reminds me of what a league of, of fine margins this this is. Luka Doncic is one of the the top three players, I think, in the NBA. Uh, yet the Dallas Mavericks record is only 25 and 23. Uh, what that just reminds me, and again, there's there's factors involved behind every record. It, it just reminds me how close sometimes you are to success and also how close you are sometimes to failure and right now you know what the wizards are straddling that line and and we're going to see over the next couple weeks which way it goes dave thank you as always man have a great week all right man talk very soon hit that capital sounder please mike vogel with us at vogue's caps on the old twitterverse here on the beltway blitz on g and d vogue's not the same. It, that was inevitable, right? When you were playing at a buzzsaw level, maybe best team in the NHL level here for, for five weeks or so. They've come back down to earth a little bit. How did they get their game back to that level that they were at not so long ago? Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Danny. I don't think I don't think they're so far off from it. I, essentially, it was just that last game was the one that, that stands out as being completely out of character. Even if you look back at some of the games they lost before that, I thought they the second Philadelphia game they played well enough to win. Uh, the Minnesota game they probably played well enough to win. So you know they're sitting there on a couple of losses where they they just didn't get the results, but they're not displeased with the way they played. It was it was a sixty minute debacle on Saturday, and and that's the one they're looking to bounce back from. And, and they've had a a, a fairly good you know, fairly good track record of doing that over the Peter Laviolette time uh, behind the bench, 19-8-2 in games immediately following losses by three or more goals. So, but like you say, I, as far as getting back on a, on a, a bit of a heater, uh, that, that, that I think is going to be a little harder to achieve. Uh, I, I think they're missing John Carlson, to be quite honest. And, you know, Alex Ovestin is he missed Saturday's game, and he's a game-time decision for tonight. And they're not going to have T.J. Oshie in the lineup tonight either. He's uh, he's back home in D.C. where his wife is about to give birth to their fourth child. So um, definitely down two big pieces tonight. And, and one of them, you know, there's no real sign for when he's going to be back. 
and, and hopefully uh, Ovi, he did skate yesterday. He skated this morning. Hopefully he'll be able to go tonight, but uh, th- that remains to be seen. Vogues, they did such a good job. They got so hot, and they were on a run that no one else in the league could counter for about a month, five weeks, really. Since then, they've really cooled off since getting Wilson and Backstrom back. Some of the injuries have piled up again. You referenced that with, with time missed here. But I'm just thinking bigger picture. They're two points ahead of the Penguins, who they play in a couple days. I think they're five points in the clear of the Islanders, who are two spots back in the division. Right now, they're fourth in the Metro. How do you feel about Operation Make the Playoffs, which is all I care about? I've seen you win enough yeah, exactly. you know, tr- President's Trophies to know, I don't care if you're the one seed or not. I just want to get into the dance. How do we feel about their, their chances to do that? Yeah, I think they're sitting okay there, Grant. But you know, the, the thing, what they've got to do is just avoid going lengthy stretches of games without picking up points. Um, and, and like you say, they, they've, they've leveled off, I would say, I would, I would say since roughly the, mini, the beginning of January. You know, they've kind of, it's kind of been win one, lose one. They're probably right around 500 for the month of January after I think they were 11-2-2 two and two in, in December. And, and they actually kind of caught, caught fire late in, in November. So like you say, they, they, they were on a roll there for five, close to six weeks. And now they, at least the way they're playing now is probably a little bit better than they were playing before the run. Where I, I think they, I feel like they had a three-game losing streak. You, you, you really can't afford to do that too many times. You know they're playing their fiftieth game of the season tonight. They're the first team. Them in LA will, will hit fifty tonight. But every other team has played fewer games, so they're the, the schedule's going to. That's a double-edged sword, right? They're, they're, they're not going to have as many games to make up or to pile up points from here on out compared to the teams that are chasing them. So that, that's one thing to, to worry about. But from, from my vantage point, if they, if they can get reasonably healthy and uh, you know, get, get their lineup together, uh, yeah, I think, I think they're going to be I think they're going to get in. I think their goaltending is is going to get them in, and I think their their team game uh, will get them in. I, I I don't think we're going to see another eleven two and two run out of them between here and the uh, the end of the season. But you know it shouldn't take that either. I think uh, they needed that run because they had had such a sluggish start, and it's not like they're sitting on a lot of standings equity right now. But I think if they play you know, around a hundred point pace the rest of the way, I think they'll get in. Vogues, I think Kuzi's on a, a, or close to it, a career high assist pace. So the, the, you know, second on the team in points, I, I did a triple take the other day when I, he's only got six goals. I, I, that's, I feel like that's almost impossible. He's got well over a hundred shots on the year. He's not scoring at all. And I feel like he's not been great defensively, although, you know, there are certainly better trained eyes than me out there that can provide better analysis on that. But what do you make of Kuz's season to this point? And, and I, I do know that he's got to get scoring at least some point here. Yeah, I agree with you, Danny. I, I think he, he, there's more, he's got more, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys out there. I think that they have more to give him and Anthony Manth are, are the two guys. Uh, that you'd like to see more production from over this this last third of the season for sure, because they're both capable of more. Uh, I, I think you're right. It, look, you, you, if you've got 100 shots and only six of them are going in, those are that's a six percent shooting rate. That's that's what you expect out of a defenseman. So, you know, uh, you know, look, Kuzi's his his main skill lies in playmaking, but he can shoot the puck. He has a decent shot, 
And, and I know he made a conscious effort a couple of years ago to pull the trigger a little more often, but he, he's got to find a way to get some, some more of those pucks in or, you know, feel, have, a, have a little better uh, eye with his, with his shot selection. Um, and, and Mantha, I, I, think, I think right now his game is, is a little bit just in his head. And I think if he gets back, you know, he's been parked for a couple of games, back for a couple, parked for a couple. I think that once he gets back in the lineup and, and is able to sustain a stretch, you know, of playing regular minutes, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to shake off the doldrums as well. Vogues, great having you on as always, buddy. Thanks for the insight. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. See you, brother. You got it. Be well. Let's talk some football. Our pal Rick Snyder, Snyder Remarks, joins us on G&D's Beltway Blitz. Rick, how do you feel about the way forward with Sam Howell if they do go with the plan that we heard a couple weekends ago is what they're thinking they'll do at the park? Well, I don't have a problem with going with Sam Howell. There's a couple of benefits. One, he might be decent. And two, he's going to be cheap, which allows money to be spent elsewhere. A lot of good teams are, you know, have that benefit. So why not? You know, I mean, in the absence of what else? I mean, you're not going to go get Aaron Rodgers and all these other nonsensical things we hear about. So I think he showed enough that it's worth taking a chance. I mean, look at Brock Purdy. That should make, you know, the chance. he's going to be the patron saint of late-round late quarterbacks. Rick, gear shift here for a second. I, until recently, I was a, a longtime D.C. resident, and I don't think anybody's more plugged in about these kind of matters than you are. But I've, I've talked to a number of different people as I've gone about my life here over the last few weeks, and all of them said to a person, well, obviously we all hate Dan Snyder, he's a tyrant, he's the worst. But the idea that as soon as Dan Snyder's gone, RFK magically becomes the future home of the Washington, whatever they're going to be called, commanders or otherwise. And I always kind of say, it's not that simple. In fact, it's incredibly complicated, even without the Bond villain involved that is Dan Snyder. Just, I guess, shed some light on that for me. Tell me why I am crazy. No, I mean, you're right. It's not a simple thing. Um, but it opens doors for the possibilities with Dan not being the guy. Because they want an owner who comes in and spreads the wealth, where Danny was like, mine, 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 mine. Uh, and, you know, Bezos is a unique person that has the ability to bring other things to that site, including like grocery stores and things like that. You know, he's willing, he can make things happen better. Uh, but it's still not an easy process because you're going to have to go through the federal government, you're going to have to go through the city government. Right now, you don't really have any champions on the city council. But that doesn't mean you can't get some. But it's going to, you know, but it just doesn't, they don't open the doors to RFK unless you win. We saw Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, who said he was selling the team yesterday, send out a press release saying, actually, never mind, guys. I had an epiphany. I've got work to do still, uh, which is translation for he couldn't get the amount of money probably that he thought he was going to get for his team. And it, it led to what you know, which is fans saying, oh, no, what if Dan Snyder does the same thing? You've been pretty adamant that you think Snyder's selling, and I just want to take your temperature on that at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen, there'll be torches and pitchforks outside if, if he doesn't. I don't know about the guy in the Angels, if he's loved or hated by fans, but there's no turning back down this road. There's just not. There's going to, FedEx will be empty. You'll see a boycott like you've never seen. And the NFL is still holding the strings there, too, saying, yes, you are going. Maybe you don't think you want to go, but no, you're going, or else we can, we can start dropping other reports and vote you out. They don't want to do that, but it's there as a threat. 
So now Dan's going to go to London. Maybe he'll get a little nicer press coverage because we know the British tabloids are nice on people and, uh, and go do something else. <laughs> that made me laugh. Uh, for Ron Rivera, this is such a this is such a weird set of circumstances. I think if the ownership situation was normal, this might be the time to move on from him. It hasn't been a dramatic failure, but it hasn't delivered the promise. And to me, I don't want him selecting the next quarterback, and I'd be in the market of drafting one this year. But that's not the case. Nothing is normal here. You know, just thinking about the staff moving forward. They've already lost one guy uh, who was pretty prominent and very well thought of. What's it going to look like here? And, and how do you think they could do a good job of maybe filling those roles without the promise of any stability? You know, it's real interesting they're putting out releases about today. We're interviewing this guy. They never do that kind of thing because you don't want to let other people know you're interested in him because maybe they grab him. But now we've got PR releases as transparency. And it just makes me wonder what the real deal is here. You know, oh, we're gonna we're gonna meet you know meet with everybody to make it look like something more than it is, and then they'll hire Zampezi or somebody. I just I just it doesn't pass the smell test to me. That's the problem I have with all this. Uh, you know, and they want a run coordinator versus everyone else in the NFL. You know, passing. Uh, I don't know. It, it's so weird what's going on with all this. And, and like you say, anybody with options isn't coming for maybe one year kind of deal. So uh, you get the desperate and the dreamers. Rick, thank you, buddy. We appreciate you. All right, guys. See you. See you, bud. There's Rick Snyder on our Beltway Blitz. Three teams in town you care the most about jammed into one segment. Next on GND, what did we learn about the NFL's Final Four this weekend? Give you a takeaway from each of the winners next on Grant and Danny. Grant and Danny welcoming you back. Much appreciate everybody making the show part of their day. Thanks for being a part of it. We're with you until 6.30 tonight. Candace Buckner of the Post stops by in an hour and a half. She's got thoughts on the Rui Hachimura deal. Let's go through the four winners this weekend. Big takeaways. What did we learn about those teams? We'll work our way to our big takeaway from the weekend at the end of the segment. I want to start with the San Francisco 49ers beating the Dallas Cowboys, Danny. What'd you learn? This defense, if there are going to be moments where they give things up, there are going to be times where you move the football against them a little bit. So it's not your 2000 Ravens or 85 Bears or, or otherwise, but if they figure out what you're doing, they're coming downhill. How many near interceptions? How many actual interceptions? How many, you know, gang tackles were there as they fly to the football? They figure you out. And make it more and more difficult. There are going to be moments where they give up some plays. That happens. You can move the football against them at times. But this defense is awesome, and it won them the game this past week. And I think it's got at least one more in them. So we found out, in my opinion, that if Brock Purdy doesn't shine, it's not going to be a problem. Purdy was fine. He didn't do anything wrong. And to his credit, he did not turn the football over at all, which is huge. I don't know if they can survive a dud from Purdy. They probably can't. I don't know, especially against the caliber of teams they're going to be playing now, Philadelphia this weekend, and then a week from then, if they beat the Eagles, hypothetically the Chiefs or the Bengals. If Purdy throws two picks, can you overcome that? No, I would say you probably can't. But we have wondered, as he has been playing really, really well and shining a couple touchdowns, 250 yards at a time, what would happen if he just is a passenger? We got our answer. This is a championship-level defense. 
San Francisco scored all of 19 points and managed two plays of 20-plus. Those explosives that we always talk about, not a part of their offense this weekend. One of those 20-plus yarders, by the way, was the George Kittle bobble catch, where for about 15 yards he was playing popcorn with the football and then grabbed it just as a Cowboys defender was ready to get their hands on it. I think it was uh, Diggs who almost picked that pass Mm -hmm. off. Wasn't a particularly good pass. Kittle just kind of bounced it to himself for about 10 yards down the field. That was one of their two, quote-unquote, big plays in the game. Purdy, 19 of 29 for 214. No touchdowns, no turnovers, and that is the key. But this defense held Dallas to 76 rushing. It held the Cowboys to 282 yards. 12 total points this defense gave up. And I think that's even misleading, Danny, because they had six of their 12 points scored on two drives where they got field goals that amassed 32 and 14 yards. Remember, they recovered McLeod the fumble. McLeod fumble that they got 14 yards and kicked a field goal. And then there was a 47 or 49-yard kick return to about midfield. That's right. Where Dallas went and got 30 more yards and kicked another field goal. So I would even say those six points are on special teams, not on your defense. Their defense gave up six, which is the one touchdown with the extra point. The only actual drive they allowed the Cowboys to get points on all day long. They picked Dak off twice in the first half, and then they only had one drive defensively after halftime with more than one first down given up. So I just thought San Francisco's defense told you we're Super Bowl ready. Mm -hmm. We're good enough to win a title. Purdy doesn't have to do anything good. He just has to not do anything bad. That's the key. We'll see if he can keep the train on the tracks one more time. The winner in the NFC East clash was the Philadelphia Eagles. They take on San Francisco now. What we learned about Philly? My God, they are so well built. They are so well built for this modern NFL game. This is the way I would design a team. In other words, excellent weapons on offense. How would you like to get beat today? you got two receivers that can take a five-yard hitch and turn it into an 80-yard touchdown in Devontae Smith and and A.J. Brown. You've got a running game. You've got a a playmaking quarterback, period, end of story. Offensive line is very, very good. Defensively, they're here to rush the passer, please and thank you. Look at that. It's hounds. Just unleashed racer after racer after racer getting back at the quarterback. Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, adding in Robert Quinn to the mix. They have so many weapons on offense that they can beat you in any different way they feel like it. They didn't have to do much against the Giants. They just handed it off and killed you. A.J. Brown only had 22 yards. He could have 222 uh, this next week, for example. And on defense, I dare you to pass it. I dare you because we're going to hit your quarterback and knock as you know what into the dirt. They are so well-built for this modern NFL game. The team that matches up with them the best that's left in the postseason is probably San Francisco, to be honest with you, because of how good, how physical they are up front and how good they can run the ball. They're a better version of Washington, the last team to really you know beat them around when they were at full strength. I learned Jalen Hurts is fine. He was off the injury report early this past week, but I needed to see it to believe it. A miracle on 34th Street style. I wasn't just going to take anyone's word for it. He had played one game in the final month of the season, and in that game, he didn't play well against these Giants, by the way. I felt like it had been so long since the Eagles were at their best, and frankly, since Hurts had played really well, going all the way back to December 11th, that they might have been ripe for the taking. I had the Giants covering and actually thought New York would give them enough of a game that they might be able to steal a win. Couldn't have been more wrong. Probably never been more wrong about any playoff game in my life. This 31-point margin was the largest playoff win against a division opponent that we've seen since the merger in 1970. Familiar teams don't bludgeon each other the way the Eagles battered and bruised the Giants. 
But it really started and ended with Hurts. The first play of the game, if memory serves, was that deep shot to the near sideline where he just dropped the ball in the bucket down the field for Devontae Smith for close to 40 yards, and he ran under it and caught it, and Hurts was on point. I'll make this point, too, if we could localize it to the commanders in terms of what we learned. There is so much conversation about whether or not they can go run heavy or should go run heavy with this personnel, whether or not they could hire a Greg Roman, they're not even interviewing, or someone else that's going to want to run the ball. I'm on record. I think that they should not do that. I think they should do what Cincinnati and and Kansas City and Buffalo and and some other teams do, where you spread teams out and you throw it uh, out of the spread and you run it out of the gun a lot. But the Eagles are a great example of why it is completely foolish when people say, if you bring in, just as an example, Roman or some run-heavy-minded coordinator to satisfy what Rivera wants, you're quote-unquote wasting McLaurin and Dotson and, and Samuel. And that is just not correct. Devontae Smith had a huge year statistically. A.J. Brown was like a 1,500-yard wide receiver, basically, this year. Monster season. Those guys get targets. They get touches. They're involved. Dallas Goddard, huge season at the tight end position. Now, there's no one else really in the passing game that gets a whole lot of looks necessarily, but what they do is they involve their best weapons at a very high percentage of all of their passing plays. So even though they're third in rushing attempts and 23rd in passing attempts, are they wasting A.J. Brown? People are saying, well, why did you draft Jahan Dotson if you're just going to run the ball? Why did they trade for A.J. Brown if they're, quote, just going to run the ball? Because when you throw it, and they do it, you know, at a, what, a 40-some percent clip? You throw it to A.J. Brown. You throw it to Samuel. You throw it to McLaurin. You throw it to Dotson. You can have your cake and eat it, too, even this way. But you got to move the sticks. You got to stay on the field. You got to have long drives. And they proved, again, that they are able to do that. Let's go over to the AFC. Bengals, 27-10, shellacking of the Bills. What'd you learn? I didn't give Cincinnati enough credit. I should have looked up and realized and just this is big picture true, the four best teams right now in the NFL are the four teams that made it. This, there's no fluke here. The Bills were good for you know most of the season. They weren't as good as Cincinnati was here over the last month plus, and I should have recognized that, and I didn't. The best two teams in the NFC are playing for the NFC title game. Did we put too much stock in the Bengals struggling with the Ravens? I did. I, I 100% did. I think I, I did, too. I think it's a testament to the Ravens, by the way, and how well coached they are and how much of a pain in the butt they are to play against. Would have loved to have seen that with Lamar Jackson. But to me, the Bengals, and I'm looking back now over over the like the last, I'd say, I don't know, maybe third, maybe even more of the season, I'm going, nobody was more impressive than them, including wins against Kansas City, uh, win at Tampa Bay, which I know doesn't sound like much, but that's not the easiest thing as Tampa Bay was struggling uh, to, to fit in for their lives. You look at the, the win over the Ravens, they were dominant at the end of the regular season. Cincinnati's been really, really good, and people have sort of always been looking at the other team their other opponent, right? Because this, this was about the Bills, not about the Bengals. It should have been about the Bengals. They're excellent offense. Again, how I would do it. You find a quarterback, you find him so many weapons. They've got more than you could cover. And then defensively, they're basically built via free agency and a couple savvy signings and draft picks. That's a good, complete team with an outstanding quarterback who was playing as good as anybody. I learned that Lou Anarumo, you heard of him? He's the defensive coordinator DC? for the Bengals is better at what he does than the Bills' offensive coaches are at what they do. Mm. Or at least for one day, he certainly was. How is Lou Anarumo not getting 
head coaching interviews. How is that possible? The Bengals' defense this year has been a masterclass scheming-wise. What am I missing on this? Again today, I saw Lewis Riddick, who had a conversation with him, tweeting that Lou Anaromo is getting no interviews. I'm not saying you have to hire him, but for all the coaches that get seven, eight, nine interviews over a couple of years, this guy's a 56-year-old defensive coordinator who's done a brilliant job with maybe the most successful team in football over the last two years, Cincinnati, and he's not getting a sniff for a head coaching job. How is that possible? Just interesting to me. Who gets who gets the looks, right? If you're associated with a, a um, an offensive mind under 40, then you get looks. The occasional defensive coordinator that gets, for whatever reason, recognized and enough national media starts to tell you how great they are, those guys get looks. But there's nothing sexy about it. Their, their overall numbers aren't, like, mind-boggling. It's not, again, like San Francisco's defense or a couple of the others. They're just really good, as you said. Totally agree. It's certainly a defense thing, I think, because like like most people, I, I would prefer to hire offense. But I, I don't get how he wouldn't interest you based on the job he's done. I'd be At interested. Sit down and talk to him, get to know him, and say, how you doing this? Now, what's your philosophy on football? See if he can blow you away. Chiefs survived the Jaguars, 27-20. to 20. I like this two-headed monster at running back. Pacheco's there, despite the fact that he's not huge, to thump a little bit. He runs with a burst. He runs with energy and excitement. He actually caught more passes and was was pretty good. Uh, excuse me, he only had a, a one reception, but he had a long of 39. And McKinnon, usually in the passing game, is really effective. Didn't have many receptions this past week, but he's kind of like their... I don't know, he's not lightning specifically, but he's really good in pass pro, and he's a really good receiver. That combined running back tandem has actually been really effective for Kansas City. They've been cycling through guys forever, it seems like, trying to find an every down back, and they've sort of figured out this relationship here. Uh, When you look at Pacheco and McKinnon, it's not a household name tandem, but they're quietly really effective for this Kansas City team that needs both of those guys without Tyreek Hill. I learned that Chad Henney stays ready. I read a a nice piece in SI about him this week where he has for years had the same way of going about his business. By the way, he's gotten zero first-team reps in two calendar years. First-team reps, zero. He's thrown two passes this season, and yet he was ready to come out and lead a 12-play, 98-yard drive drive, in the playoffs. It was a 10-7 game. If they go three and out there, Best case or worst case, he turns the ball over, and the Jaguars have the lead going into halftime. Instead, they went on a 98-yard touchdown drive and took a commanding 10-point lead, and Mahomes was able to come back on the field with the lead in the second half. Henny apparently goes through every single play, like most backups do, you know, calling out plays and stuff behind Mahomes at practice, has his earpiece in, listening to everything. Then he said his wife quizzes him each night on the plan and the plays. He grabs wide receivers after practice to go through all the routes they're going to run. That week, I mean, it's just a really interesting job when you never get a chance. You should never get a chance. You want Mahomes on the field. Yeah. But, oh, by the way, you better be ready if you do. All the way down to their center, who's a beast, his name Creed Humphrey. Really, really good center for the Chiefs. He's left-handed. He's one of the only left-handed centers in the league. And I guess most quarterbacks never have dealt with left-handed centers. So, like, the way he snaps the ball is way different than Mahomes. So he even works with people snapping with their left hand and then gets together with Creed Humphrey and you know had a whole plan for when he came into the game, how he would do it exactly how Mahomes does it because normally his hands are deeper up under the center. Just some really unique stuff that he had to do to prepare for 
this opportunity that was not going to come until it did. And then he went five of seven on a touchdown drive with a touchdown pass in the playoffs. Pretty cool. He's Danny. I'm Grant. You're listening to The Fan. What did you learn watching playoff football this weekend? 800-636-1067 is the number if you want to hit us up live on The Fan. Landed on I-985. Oh. Northbound. In Atlanta between exit four and some other exit. Just a just a landing on a plane. On, okay. From a plane. Which highway was it? Uh you just said it. 985 northbound. Between I-85 and Buford Drive exit four. It means huh. nothing to me because I don't know anything about Atlanta. But look yeah. at this picture. A plane okay. is on the road and all the cars are stopped behind it. I think about this all the time. I know no one else thinks about this, but I, I know I'm a crazy person. Like, we live in an area with a bunch of airports, yep. right? There's National, and there's Dallas, and there's, like, these weird little regional airports, like, around Leesburg or, like, other places that, like, tiny planes go. Whenever I see a plane just overhead, everyone just react. It looks like it, like it's nothing. It's not a big deal. Flying somewhere. That could land on the road, too. Like, th- this this could be the one that just, you know, the, a bird gets involved or something like that, or who knows. I, oh, I always freaked out when I see them. You know what else freaks me out now that we're on it? When I see more than one plane in the sky at the same time, okay. you know what I'm talking about. Where it's like one, like the one plane's in the, you know off up in the distance. It's in a, it's at plane height doing plane stuff. It's just flying. And then if I see another plane that's like in a different direction or similar, I know air traffic controllers are on top of it. I'm not saying they're not. It freaks me the bleep out. Natka, we'll guide you home. We'll guide you home. Freaks me out. I don't qualify for that because I, I that doesn't bother me. I, I've got my own weird ones. Just so many of them. With planes? No, no, no. Just with things that scare me or are or, or, or curious to me uh-huh. or whatever. I can't watch one of these videos like shot from the point of view of the person who's just like jumping off of like base jumping without my stomach just falling onto the ground. So like, the, like that GoPro type exactly. style where it's can't like. do it. He's like, all right, guys, we're going to launch now. Uh, this is a dude strapped to my back. Here we go. And he like jumps out of the plane. Every Instagram reel now, it's like the same song, and then someone's like jumping off of something into the sky. Have you seen those? Stop doing that. Where like the dude, it's like the, the Batman style move, where like the gliders. Yes. You know what I'm That's talking about, right? Those, I'm oh, man. About. But any kind of jumping you're doing for any reason, I can't watch it without feeling like I'm the one falling. I just, I can't do it. Let's go to Paul, who's in Bowie. We're talking about things that we learned watching football this weekend. How are you, Paul? Hey, what's going on, guys? Love the show. First time caller. Thank you, Thank you. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Thank you. What I learned was these guys that are in the championship game, they are elite. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Joe Burrow, and Brock Purdy is being coached up. So what I learned, these it, it, it's going to be a super weekend of championship football. What I learned was that these guys are the next uh, Brady's. Uh, That's a good point. Like, we've wondered. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Who's going to be the next Rodgers, Brady, Manning? Who's going to be the next tier? Well, here we go. I mean, Mahomes has been the answer for a couple years with Allen, but Burroughs crashed that party. Uh, The worst you could put Jalen Hurts 
is probably number six among quarterbacks currently. Worst, you could put him. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to put Justin Herbert ahead of him, and you wanted to put Aaron Rodgers ahead of him, I don't think you could put anyone else over him. You can't go too far down. You could also put him as high as four. But three of the top four to six quarterbacks in the league are among the final four standing. And I know this is overly simplified, but he said the, he said the word. And I'm not doing the elite debate like is Joe Flacco elite. I'm actually talking about legit elite elite. Every one of these four teams has at least one, if not multiple, super-duper special top one, two, three, or four at their position type players. Right? You look at San Francisco, the best left tackle in the sport. I miss you so much, Trent. Best defensive end in the sport. They pass have three rusher, all pros, one at each level of their defense. Linebacker, Warner. Defensive backfield, the safety, who's uh, Palomalu Light. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking like, on his name. He's Hufunga. awesome. Mentored Tavunga. Hufunga. He's mentored Hufunga. by Troy Palomalo and plays the exact same game as him. Just timing snaps and jumping over the line of scrimmage. Turnover everybody all the Somehow time. Somehow wears number 29 for you some reason. You look at Cincinnati, quarterback Jamar Chase, right? Then you look at um, uh, Kansas City. That goes without saying. San Francisco, the other part is like this elite scheme and design. Like You've got to have something that's the best or close to it. you got to have something that's incredible. And until you do, you could talk about good players. Like, for example, linking it to Washington. There's a number of good players here. Nothing wrong with John Allen and Deron Payne. Nothing wrong with Terry McLaurin and company. Where's my that? Where's my this is the best in the whole league element? They don't have that. When you don't have a single player among your four best players who wasn't here when you got here and you've been here three years, it's hard to go get those all pros. The four best players on this team Hmm. were here before Rivera and his staff in the front office got here. And this will be their fourth offseason. Will, Fort Worth, what's up? Hey, Will. Well, that's good. Thanks for talking to me. Uh, I was in the studio with you guys. Well, wasn't in the studio with y'all, but I was up there a couple weeks ago. This two picks. All right. What did I learn? Coaching matters, and you got to have players such as Joe Burrow and um, Jalen Hurts. Those guys are so dialed in that it doesn't matter if you're missing three offensive linemen. It doesn't matter if you think that my right, my throwing shoulders hurt. I am prepared. My coaches have given me the game plan, the extra time in, and nothing that they throw at me is going to phase me. These two guys are just examples, and these two organizations are examples of what we could be as Commanders fans with the right coaches and the right players in place, and we're not that far off. But you know, Ooh, I hope you're right. Thank you, buddy. I mean, that's been what they talk about for a long time. Thank you for your call, sir. The, the idea that they're not that far off. It's been watched, the fallacy forever. I watch these games. It feels like they're a long ways off, man. I mean, last year it felt like a different sport, watching like Buffalo and totally. Kansas City get after it. And some of these games I'm going, I don't know that we could compete in a real high-level one. The only beauty, and this is it, but the only beauty to how they play, there's a lot of ugly, mm-hmm. but the beauty to how Washington plays is you muck games up enough that teams kind of have to play your brand. Yep. And you, you did it against the Eagles and you beat them, right? But can you imagine them having to play... San the Francisco. Eagles and Philly for yeah. the NFC Championship game. I know they went there and won earlier this year. It's just a different thing. San Francisco, who who annihilated them in the second half out west in a regular season game. Now everything's on the line for the 49ers. The, the Bengals or the Chiefs. I'm not telling you that it's like playing you know, the Texans, but I do think there's a sizable gap right yeah, now. Yeah, there's another level. But his point about coaching mattering, again, it just kind of goes to the point I was trying to make a minute ago. You look at the Chiefs, Eagles, Bengals, and 49ers. Everybody's got a guy 
on their sideline where if you point across, you go, I'm probably smarter than that guy. I'm more creative than that guy. I'm sharper than that guy. I'm, I've, I've got a leg up on every opponent each and every week for the most part because of how you know forward-thinking and, and, and brilliant our schemes and designs are. I covet that. Two things I want to hit on at the top of the hour. An NIL deal went really wrong in college. This is a huge story in sports right now. And also, Aaron Rodgers might get traded. Uh, we've got some details on who's saying that and why they're saying it as soon as we return on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.